A former Secretary General of the Pacific Islands Forum says Pacific leaders need to sit up and pay closer attention to deals like AUKUS, the Indo-Pacific strategy and China's response to them. Dan McTaylor says Pacific leaders are being sidelined in major geopolitical decisions affecting their region and they need to start raising their voices for the sake of the people. Last week, the UK and Australia signed off on the AUKUS deal, where the Australian government will spend nearly 400 billion New Zealand dollars over the next three decades to buy a fleet of nuclear submarines as part of the new Defence and Security Pact. Croy Hawkins spoke with Dame Taylor about the ramifications of the deal for Pacific countries. Let's just go back a bit for your for the listeners in the Pacific, and good morning to you, my brothers and sisters across the region. The issue here is that we should have paid much more attention to the Indo-Pacific strategy as it emerged, and we were not ever consulted by the countries that are party to that, including um, some of our own members of the Pacific Island Forum. Then the emergence of AUKUS, Pacific countries were never consulted on this either. And with the um, Blue Pacific Partners, uh, that's another grouping now, Australia with the United States and the UK, in terms of aid issues, uh, they did not consult. So should we be um, concerned about what is happening now with uh, Australia's purchase of submarines being to be constructed in Australia, but, you know, under the auspices of AUKUS? I think that the concern for us is that uh, we in the Pacific, particularly those of us who are signatories to the Treaty of Rarotonga, have um, always been committed to the fact that we wanted a place to live where there was no proliferation of nuclear weapons. The debate, I think, that will emerge within the Pacific is are nuclear submarines weapons. I have not thoroughly gone through the um, the treaty in terms of some of, uh, I think it's Article 3 that deals with, with this, um, whether the definition of nuclear subs not carrying weapons um, would still contravene the Treaty of Rarotonga. And the the Australian Prime Minister obviously has, has been at pains to try and talk about them not being able to breach this, but we have spoken with a few experts who, who say it is a duty for Pacific to hold them to account and not take that for face value. W- would you agree with that point? I, I would indeed. I would indeed. But the question here for me is how are we going to monitor that? How are we going to know what... Um, if there are ever any nuclear weapons on uh, these nuclear submarines, and the question for me, just as an ordinary citizen, well, if you've got nuclear submarines, what are you carrying? And I think a lot of people in the Pacific would ask ask that question. That um, do I define a nuclear submarine as a as a weapon? And if if the government, whichever government uh, is carrying these that ha- that owns these submarines, um, says, well, we're not carrying nuclear warheads, then what's the purpose of the submarine? Now, it's been interesting, the debate in Australia over the last day, particularly the reasons for this. Huh? It's more about uh, ensuring that their trade routes are protected. And all of you in the Pacific know how much, what a busy sea lane we have across the Pacific and north-south as well through um, my own home country, past, past our islands. We have very busy traffic with the trade routes going into Asia and, and to China, and that this is part of the protection of this. I think the Australian public will be very interested in, in discussing this, and I'm sure there will be people who are for this and people who are against it. Yes. And one of the other other discussions around this is, is Australia at, and um, the AUKUS partners sort of talking themselves into a war with China with, with the policy direction and the decision to go down this path? 
I think the um, China is seen as is seen as an aggressor, and that it takes has taken an aggressive stance in Southeast Asia, particularly you know its declaration of um, over the South China Sea yeah? and asserting sovereignty over that area. That has been, I think, uh, a big red flag to countries like the United States and and to Australia um, and to the Southeast Asian countries. But it's really interesting how ASEAN has come out very clearly that they will take um, a neutral position on all this. The Pacific Island Forum, uh, I would urge that we are paying much greater attention to what is going on and not waiting for Australia to be briefing us. And I understand there were, well, this is what I read anyway, that there was a about 60 telephone calls from Canberra to other parts of the Pacific to counterparts to um, inform them of the situation and what it meant. And um, we should be... I, I am appreciative of that. However, I think it would have really been helpful to have very in-depth discussions with the Pacific uh, long before all this has happened. Finally, um, obviously this this is, is rolling out over a long period how should should our leaders be positioning themselves in regards to what seems to be we, we've seen obviously the the increasing competition between the US and China but now with this kind of uh, I don't want to say militarization um, but but leaning towards that direction how should the Pacific countries and leaders be looking to to position themselves it is definitely militarization <laughs> you don't go and spend that kind of money on these kinds of weapons and just keep them at home, these are going to be very active, and we don't know what the increase in the U.S. submarine patrolling in the Pacific is. Um, Just for clarity, I was just looking up again who are the signatories to the Treaty of Rarotonga, and the three northern states are Palau, uh, Federated States of Micronesia, and the Republic of Marshall Islands are not signatories to the Treaty of Rarotonga. And for the rest of us in the Pacific, I think we would urge them to be part of all this. Uh, I think we will see movement. We already have seen movement of uh, what the United States is doing in the northern Pacific and uh, areas opening up so that they can have bases there. Um, in parts of Melanesia, where the United States had been completely absent for about 40 years, all of a sudden everybody's here trying to find something to do. But the, in the end, it's really about the geopolitical interests of two superpowers. And Australia, you know, it's one of the wealthiest countries in the world too. It has strong trade with Southeast Asia. It has trade with China and the rest of the world. And wants to, as they've said, they want to protect their trade routes. But it's about the defence of Australia. It's about the, how to protect that. My concern is that, again, we become indispensable in all this. Not indispensable, I should say. I beg your pardon. We become dispensable in all this. And um, I would like to see a much closer relationship or discussion so that our senior officials are kept very, very well informed about what's going on. No doubt, um, you know, China's come out with a, an interesting statement uh, about Walker's disregard of the global cons- global concerns, uh, but it doesn't mean... Uh, well, we, we saw recently that China has also indicated that it's going to be increasing its um, military arsenal. So I think we're in for a time of uh, uncertainty, uh, and we control a large part of the Pacific Ocean. And our ocean, again, is going to come into play if there, is, if there is war. Our leaders in the Pacific really have to get on top of this for the sake of all of us so that we know what is happening.